both the logos, the written word, uh, established doctrine, things like that, but also the prophetic word. And Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for speaking to us and giving us your word. And we ask you to anoint this time and help us just to get everything out of this that your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I appreciate you all giving me your best ear tonight. And um, just, you know, do your best to, to remember these. I got seven things that the Lord has shown me that's coming up in the days to come. So this is for, this is for River of Life, okay? This is a prophetic word, not really so much a teaching, even though I have some scriptures, but God's given me seven things. And back years ago, I believe it was 2014, we were in a different facility, and God had spoken to me back then that he was going to move in a way to adjust things where people could get better jobs and better pay where they could work less hours but make the money they need to be freed up to do the work of the Lord and man God did that big time with a lot of people it was really something to behold and God's repositioned people in that way for the days to come he gave us a few years to get our you know our feet established in some of these things and then the last couple years 2015-16 time frame the Lord really dealt with me that he was going to do three things. That there was going to be, some of you will remember this, there was a, the scripture in Isaiah about a two-leaf gate the, that he would break that open. And it was like a brass heaven. It was a heaviness. And that he was going to break through those strongholds that had been demonic forces. And then there was, there was three of them. There was the two-leaf gate, there was the veil, and then there was crossing the Jordan. All three of those things have been happening big time, big time. I remember back whenever Benny Baker came back a few years ago here, I had had that prophetic word, and, and Benny told me after the service, I noticed he was acting different than usual. He's more quiet, but he told me after the service, he said, Brother, I really feel what you're coming up against here in this, this region, man. He said, but you'll, you'll get through it on the other side. He was sensing that, that brass heaven over this region, see, and God had spoken to me that he was going to do a crossing of the Jordan was a deep cleansing into the promised land. He's been doing that. He's been really cleaning us up. He said the, ve the veil being ripped, we go deeper into the Holy of Holies. There'd be an increase of the glory. We've had that. And he said that these, these strongholds, that there would be a breakthrough. And there has been a breakthrough on many levels in spiritual warfare it's not nearly as bad as what it used to be those things will continue remember those we've prayed you guys will probably remember them because I've also put them in some of our fasting sheets that we do so everybody probably remembers these phrases but God spoke to me about that around 2015-16 time frame and that has been progressively happening and will continue to happen God's not quite done with those okay but how many of you guys know that God's ways are higher than ours and his thoughts higher than ours? Okay, so with that said, if you're kind of one of those that you want to figure out God, some people do and they don't realize they do. They intellectually try to figure it out. You're going to be frustrated. Those that want to um, use your human intellect to get things, to, to understand things, and you're always trying to reason... You're going to live frustrated until you get beyond that. We've got to move into a realm of revelation. Is our human intellect is only going to understand so much of God. It's very limited. But when you get beyond that and you begin to get divine revelation, man, you can really understand some things, but it's by the Holy Spirit. See, human intellect will breed pride. But revelation from the Lord makes you more and more humble because you realize that there's no way you could understand that except by the grace of God. Amen? All right. So here's the seven things God's given me. Just remember again, 2014, better, different jobs so that we'd be more freed up with our time to serve the Lord. He's given us time to get ready for these things. 
15 and 16, those three words about clearing things out into a deeper place of the glory. So here's the seven things that are coming in the near future, and it's connected to what Benny Baker shared as well. And they're all good. Amen? All right. That's good news. That'd be something if they were all bad, wouldn't it? I'd have to be blaming Ed for that one, you know. <laughs> all right, so number one, the glory as a defense. There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 4 that talks about how God will purge the bloodstains from Israel. And then because he cleanses Israel, he would create over a canopy of his glory that will be like a shade from the heat of the day a defense a canopy of protection okay and so what i felt was that god has been doing this this these seven things i'm giving you is really important that everybody give me your best and really grab hold of this because what i felt was we've had seasons in our in our ministry of prayer and fasting and people that have really taken it because there's been some people that i knew really took those times serious they were very serious about it they really prayed they fasted and they they let god do a deep work in them and man i've after watching this i've seen certain people have taken it real serious they're the ones that keep coming up to me saying man you know i i feel like i'm just this is happening in my life spiritually I, the glory of God's been in my home. I've been having a powerful prayer time. It's, you see what I'm saying? It's those that really go after God with all their heart. Well, anyway, we've had these times of fasting and prayer. And God has been consecrating us. And let me just give you what the Lord gave me. Number one, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Israel was baptized into Moses through the cloud and the sea. So the cloud is the Holy Spirit and the sea is the water. But if you remember, Israel was given three things. They were given the communion, the Passover. So they were deeply consecrated by the blood of the Lamb, number one. Then they were baptized in the cloud, which is the Holy Spirit, the glory, the glory cloud. Okay? And they were baptized into the water. This is water immersion. And Israel was really being consecrated by God. Now look at the result of this. If you look at Exodus 14, verse 19, Israel was at the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army was pursuing them. So they were in a very precarious situation, and here's what the Lord said. He told Moses, you know, why you keep talking to me? Lift up your rod. You know, and so he did, and the waters started parting. Remember this? But before that look, look at this the angel of god who had been going before the camp of israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them so it came between the camp of egypt and the camp of israel and there was a cloud along with darkness on the egyptians yet it gave light throughout the night on Israel let me read that again the angel of the Lord who had been going in front of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them behind them so that glory the angel and the glory got in between Israel and the pursuing enemy and all through that night as the waters were parting and the wind was drying that out all through that night that cloud was blocking the enemy from being able to get to Israel see a lot of people have never read this and really thought about this part of the story they just see Moses go up there lift his rod and they go but they don't realize that all through the night for hours the Egyptian army could not get to Israel because the glory of God and the angel of the Lord was in between them. And so as the glory was there, it was a defense, it was blocking, but it produced some kind of a darkness over Egypt, over that army, but yet it gave a light to Israel and protected them through the night. 
And it says, Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord swept back a strong east wind. We know the story. The waters parted, okay? The Egyptians took up pursuit after that. They took up pursuit and went through chasing them. And we know the story. The waters shut behind Israel and destroyed um, the chariot and horsemen, all of that. I don't want to read the whole thing. But what the Lord showed me was point number one there's seven of these number one is this that people that will take these times of prayer and fasting as a church really serious and even in their own life though it may not be a season of fasting in the church but they themselves will take it really seriously and they will really consecrate their life you see what's going to happen is this this is the prophetic word of the lord number one is that the glory of the Lord is going to increase in this ministry big time. Not a little, a lot. It's going to be substantial. That's going to happen in River of Life, period. But people, individuals that will really take it serious to consecrate their life unto God, it will be available that they also can have that in their personal life. But it will be dependent on if people are going to get really serious with God about consecrating their life or not. So that's what God's going to do. And I see, just like in this story, I see that God is going to begin to move his glory more and more in between us and our enemies. His people have been frustrated about the warfare that we have faced, and it's been difficult in this region. It's been difficult all over. You know, this is the last days we're living in. But, it, but the Lord is going to increase his glory in the days to come, and this glory is going to get between us and our enemies, and it's going to create a protection, some kind of a chasm that they won't be able to be as oppressive as they once were. It's going to keep them at bay. And I believe the angel of the Lord also, just like this story. But Israel had submitted themselves to that cleansing. They had sat at the Passover table. They had been cleansed by the blood. They had come through that process, see. And that cleansing created this situation. All right, that's the first point. And these are things to really pray into. Number two we're in a time of birthing and what god gave me was this many of you remember the story of the birth of little samuel first samuel chapter one his mother well his father had two wives one of them was having children and she really ridiculed hannah who was barren and so hannah year after year they would go up to the tabernacle there in shiloh where eli and his sons were and and um she one year she went there and she was really earnestly desperately praying that god would allow her to conceive you guys remember reading this she was desperate you know people have to get to that place of being hungry and desperate for the lord it's hungry and desperate for a change and being willing to change i'll get into that here in a minute but anyway she was desperate she went there she was praying and I'll just read this. It's out of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Um, this man will go up uh, to the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord in Shiloh, um, etc., etc. And I've already told some of this story. Verse 9, Hannah rose from eating and drinking in Shiloh, and Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost at the temple, or the tabernacle. And she greatly distressed, praying to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a son, I will, give the, I will give him back to you all the days of his life. And a razor will not touch his head, meaning he'll be a Nazarite all of his life. Verse 12. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth move, but he wasn't hearing anything. You know. As for Hannah, she was speaking her heart, only her lips were moving. But as Eli said to her um, as though she was drunk, you know, how long will you make yourself drunk with wine? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now of my great concern and provocation. And Eli said to her, 
He's the, he's the high priest. Okay, He spoke a blessing. He said, go in peace. May the Lord, the God of Israel, grant your petition that you've asked of him today. It's interesting that God used Eli as a priest, the high priest, an authority figure to speak that over her. Because she had been crying out. She was desperate. And Eli goes up to her and says, okay, may the Lord bless you and give you your heart's desire. Anyway, so she goes back and gets pregnant. And we know the story that when, when Samuel was young enough to be weaned, you know, she made him some little outfits or whatever and took him to the tabernacle. And she brought him there and gave him unto Eli for the service of the Lord. And little Samuel ended up becoming a very mighty man of God. But here's what God showed me. You saw how Hannah was desperate, very desperate. And she was crying out to God in intercession. And the Lord heard and he responded. And he responded in a major way. See, Samuel was not just another baby. And Samuel was not just even another priest or another Levite that worked in the tabernacle area. Samuel ended up being the judge of all Israel and one of Israel's greatest prophets. So God really answered her prayer. So what I saw, let me read 1 Samuel 3, verse 2. It happened at that time that Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and could not see well. The lamp of God, talking about the menorah that was in the tabernacle, had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark was. So he's laying by the ark. And the Lord called to Samuel and he said, here I am. Now, I'm not going to dwell on that, but Samuel, as a little boy, began to hear from the Lord. I'm going somewhere with this. Then verse 19, if you skip down, it says, Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord appeared, listen to this, the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh. And here's, the, here's number two. Number one is an increase of the glory. Number two, Shiloh was where the tabernacle was. And so because of that, there was an open heaven over Shiloh. So when Hannah fulfilled her vow and brought little Samuel to Eli and he began to live there at the tabernacle, he lived underneath an open heaven. It was a place where he could encounter God does this make sense and God began to reveal himself to Samuel in Shiloh and appear to Samuel speak to Samuel and what the Lord showed me was number one there would be a significant increase of the glory that's going to begin to be a defense but number two here's the second prophetic word the Lord spoke to me that there's going to be an increase of an open heaven over a river of life to where it will be more of a place where people can have an encounter with the living God that will radically change their life. Because it's not about a man. Samuel, you don't really hear, you don't think in your mind about Samuel coming in contact with another human here. Samuel had an encounter with God. It changed his life, and through that changed many people's lives. But it was an encounter with God. And that happens under an open heaven. And I remember the days at Brownsville feeling that. But let me tell you, in 2014, my wife and I went for the 20-year anniversary to Toronto, to that Toronto revival. And um, anyway, when we went there, what, what stuck out to me the most, because I'd been in revival so much that I'm very familiar with everything to do with revival, so nothing there was going to be a surprise to me. But what stuck out to me more than anything else, though, was that there was, we got there, there was no worship, there was nothing going on, there was just simply people, you know, standing around talking stuff, we got there early, we walk in, and I remember just having a distinct feeling that the Lord was just right there. I mean, you were at the foot of his throne. He didn't seem distant. It didn't seem like you had to cry out or press in or anything. He was just right there. And I was telling a friend of mine that that's a pastor like me that's been in revival, and he was saying, yeah, because of an open heaven. No doubt about it. That 
right there is an example of a real open heaven. We have had an open heaven over our church, like an individual open heaven. But Toronto, being that it was a, a sovereign move of God for 20 years, you know, they, they've had an open heaven over the region. It's just different. It's a different level. And I believe that God is saying to River of Life that the second prophecy is that the open heaven is about to increase. It's going to increase so that people can have an encounter with God. And when I went to Toronto, I've never done this in my life. I think I might have shared this, but I've been to revival meetings, you know, Argentine revival, Rodney, you know, Benny Hinn meetings in Brownsville, you name it. I've been to all of them many times. But I've never done this. When we went to Toronto and I was there, um, they had like these stairs that went up and there was some kind of an upper area that nobody was in. And I remember the first night we were there, we were just worshiping and I felt the Lord very clearly tell me, he said, I want you to go upstairs by yourself and just soak in my presence. And I've never done that. I've always just been a part of the service and then we'll go down and get prayer. And the second I obeyed the Lord and went up there by myself, and just kind of just laid down in the presence of God. The glory came on me like a blanket. It was like that the whole time. But see, that was exactly what Samuel experienced. He was in the tabernacle of the Lord, and he just laid down in God's presence, and the glory came on him, and God began to speak to him. You see? All right. So number three. The third prophetic word that God gave me, and this, a little bit of this, has to do with the birth of Ellie which I'll explain because I've never had that I can remember a prophetic word connected to somebody's birth or dates or anything like that but I did with this so number three is a connection with Hanukkah all right Zechariah 4 2 we know this story that Zechariah lived during the second temple and you know you had Zerubbabel and you had um, you know Ezra Nehemiah time frame they're trying to rebuild the temple uh, and it was just a frustrating time for everybody because it was just it was very difficult and so God raised up Zechariah to be one of the prophets that really encouraged the people okay so Zechariah 4 2 he had a vision and the angel of the Lord said to him, what do you see? And Zechariah said, I see a lampstand of gold with its bowl on top of it, seven lamps. So it's the menorah. I mean, it's just, okay, so you, you picture this big menorah with seven branches, okay. And he said, on each side of the menorah, I'm seeing an olive tree. And on, one on the right, one on the left. And he said, well, and he also said, um, do you know what these are? And he said, no. Zechariah said no to the angel of the Lord. And the angel said, this is the word uh, to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? What are you, O great mountain? Many times it seems like there's something in front of you, like a Goliath or a mountain. How are you going to get through that? But Zechariah was saying, what are you, a great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain. God's going to level this mountain in front of you. And he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace to it. Okay, with shouts of grace. It was God's grace that was going to get this done. What this prophetic vision was this. The angel of the Lord, there was a vision given to Zechariah because Zerubbabel and others were looking at a task that seemed impossible. Has anybody ever had to face something that you looked at it and said, I don't know that I can do this? And that's what they really felt like. Because they had enemies all around them. But Zechariah had this vision where it was the oil, it was the anointing that was going to get this done. He was saying, it's not going to be human effort here, Zerubbabel. The Lord says, this will be accomplished by my spirit and it will be accomplished by my grace. It's going to be me that does it. You just keep doing your part. But I'm going to get this done. And there was another part that said. The hands of Zerubbabel laid the foundation of this house. And these hands will finish it. You know how encouraging that was? 
is he wondered, could this be done in my lifetime? Would I even be assassinated by the, the armies around, or, you know, people like Sam Bout, Tobiah, and others? What's going to happen? But the prophetic word was, Zerubbabel, you started this, and God's going to make sure you get the honor of being able to finish it. You're going to see it accomplished. And so, anyway, um, I'm going to skip some of this. And he said, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left? And he said, these are... And there was a translation to amplify. These are the two sons of oil. All right. So let me rewind just a little bit. Some of you might remember this, but years ago, God had given me a prophetic word, probably 2011 or 12. This was back when we were just at our house. And um, God had given me a prophetic word based on this scripture. And the Lord told me that the two sons of oil, that it was going to be a time of increase of anointing y'all remember that and man i mean to tell you i went down to the bay of the holy spirit revival and uh john kilpatrick prayed for me and he said there's going to be a tenfold increase of anointing and some of you guys will remember that that were there well that just kept happening i mean to tell you back then it was like divine appointment after divine appointment after that word came that prophetic word came to me and then i got a word confirming it I have one divine appointment after the other for somebody, some anointed person, sons of oil, if you will, to pray over us. And God just kept increasing the anointing. I mean, it was significant. So it's, this word is connected to Hanukkah. What God showed me, number three, is that it's going to get accomplished by his spirit. You know, just like I told you the story of the Maccabees, the, they, they were in a situation, again, precarious. They, did, they had no hope in themselves, but God gave them a supernatural victory. God did something that was not humanly possible. They cleansed the temple, rebuilt the altar, and there was supernatural oil and fire. And so what the Lord showed me, number three, is that this will get accomplished what has begun and it's going to be accomplished by his spirit. In other words, what God has called us to do as a ministry will get accomplished. But it's going to be by the anointing. It's going to be by his grace that it gets accomplished. And just like Hanukkah, you read that. That's the Haftar reading. I think you guys remember me saying that. And Ellie being born right before Hanukkah. And her name is Ellie Grace. And this is this will be completed with shouts of grace grace to it there's something about this that it's going to be a supernatural thing it's going to be god's grace god's work okay all right building god a dwelling place so number one an increase of the glory number two an increase of the open heaven number three it's going to be accomplished god's going to build him a place to dwell it's going to be accomplished, but it's going to be accomplished by His Spirit and His grace. That's number three. Number four is a warning, but it's a positive thing, okay? There's an ancient battleground of discouragement and depression. Nehemiah 4.1, it came about when Samballot heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became furious very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these little feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can these burnt stones live? And Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and said, even what they are building, if a fox jumped on it, it would fall down. So they were just sitting back there just mocking them ridiculing them and you know it was an attack of discouragement and I remember the story in 1st Kings 19 when Elijah had, had that great victory at Mount Carmel and then after that great victory Jezebel rose up and began to threaten him and man that has been a, a fight that I have had to face a couple times myself it's with the Jezebel spirit but Elijah faced this and he said he himself went out after he was threatened by that Jezebel spirit. Uh, Elijah, a great man of God, a great prophet, went out a day's journey into the wilderness and came 
and sat under a juniper tree. He requested for himself, he was praying to the Lord, is, it is enough now, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. He lay down and slept. He wanted to die. He wanted the Lord to take his life. How could that happen to such a great man of God to get into such a depression that he wanted to die? It was supernatural. And so the battleground, this is number four, and I hope everybody hears me with this one. The battleground here has to do with what's called witchcraft in the church, not in River of Life, but in the body of Christ. This is a very ancient and powerful attack where Satan has used people, and this has happened in times past with River of Life. I don't know if there's something else that we need to be aware of in the days to come. I don't know. But I just know the Lord is warning me that this right here is, is the battleground. It's witchcraft. And you see that in the past I've had to deal with this just like Nehemiah and others, people just mocking and ridiculing. Have we not? Mocking and ridiculing. Mocking this. Mocking us. Mocking the church. Mocking the ministry. Making fun. Ridiculing. I've had to deal with it a lot over and over from certain people. And you have to ignore those things and keep pressing forward because the enemy wants to discourage you. Okay, and then this witchcraft, this Jezebel spirit, the result of it is disordered division, dishonor, disrespect, which I'll get into in a moment. But I've, I'm warning people with this. I'm sharing this for your benefit. But we have seen, my wife will attest to this big time. We've seen people, it begins in the mind. Maybe somebody has tendencies toward being a little prideful, a cocky, an ego. I don't know. That's all internal. But it begins in their mind where something begins to put thoughts in their mind, negative and critical. Usually it's going to be against the pastor. Isn't that fun? Isn't that great? All you pastors that might hear this. Sound. It usually is against the pastor. They begin to entertain these thoughts in their mind. The more that they entertain these thoughts in their minds and keep yielding to something, the more that I've watched their personality change. I'm, I know people right now I'm thinking of in my mind that I watched this happen in their life over time. I'm talking about witchcraft in the church. I'm talking about witchcraft. That they kept entertaining these negative things about me or my family or this church and pretty soon, their personality changed, the way they talked to me changed, their attitude changed. And it was sad because I could look in their eyes and I would see something in their eyes that I didn't see before. Something now was in their life that wasn't there before. Now there was a cockiness about them. And pretty soon over time, they began to be rebellious and defiant. And I, I couldn't tell them nothing. And I remember in conversations with some of them, one in particular I'm thinking of, that I tried to sit there with my wife and talk to this person. And even though it's just a person, there was such a spirit behind them. As they, they were defiant toward me, there was such a spirit. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the spirit. It was strong. I mean, it just, it, it, this strong power of the spirit coming off them. And it just, it became something that was irreconcilable and they had to move on. But it, this witchcraft in the church is where people begin to entertain thoughts in their mind that they shouldn't. Negative, critical, judgmental, divisive. It's rooted in pride. And over time, they get overtaken with something. And the end game, it's really interesting because it's really not that complicated. And we talk about things like Leviathan and pride, and it's a, it's a topic that I've taught on. You talk about an antichrist spirit. You talk about a religious spirit. You talk about a Jezebel spirit. And you teach people all these different things that they need to know. But if you were to take all of that and somehow put it in a funnel and you would funnel it down to one thing, it's witchcraft 
to bring division. It's not complicated. It's, it's several different methods of the enemy to create a witchcraft force to resist you and then to bring division. Because Satan knows the kingdom divided can't stand. So you have disorder where people are not under authority. You have division as a result. And of course, disrespect toward leaders. And that's witchcraft in the church. But this is a warning that I felt the Lord say to me, number four, is an ancient battleground of discouragement and depression. And maybe we need to pray about that. When I met with this pastor, I, I drove down to Alabama, and he's been in the ministry for years. I've, I've got other pastor friends that have been in ministry just as long, and they all have a lot of wisdom. I like to talk to them. And he was telling me that down where he lives, he says, because of previous revivals, this is what he was telling me. He said, there, there's an open heaven in our region here, and it's easier. And he was trying to encourage me because he knew that that, was, that wasn't the case in this region, <laughs> okay? But I believe God's about to change some things with that. I really do. But it's going to have to be an, a move of God, and we've got to pray it through. But don't allow discouragement or depression, and don't yield to witchcraft in the church. Don't yield to that witchcraft. That is a powerful force. Derek Prince said about witchcraft, it is, what is witchcraft? It is a spiritual force resisting you. It's a force. I'm not even talking about a particular demon. It's something that is a force that will resist you. It will try to cause sickness that's stubborn, try to cause financial lack. It'll try to turn friends into enemies, setback after setback, all these different things. It is a force that is trying to resist you from your destiny. And Derek Prince says, out of all the things that try to hinder people from their destiny, he said the, the one thing that Satan will use that will be the most effective would be witchcraft. Remember that? I've shared that with you guys. And it is, it is a force to be reckoned with. It really is. And sadly, it has set up like a stronghold in, the, in this region and in many places, many Christian lives and many churches. All right. Number five. That was uh, number four. This is number five. A year of new beginnings. Benny Baker felt this would be a year of new beginnings. This is what he shared. And I'm going to put that under this umbrella because I feel that too. 2018 will be a year of new beginnings. All right. Here's the things that he shared. He said there's a change that's coming, a shift, and it would be a good change. Sadly, in the past, when we've had that, we've lost some people and gained some different. I'm hoping that don't happen. I mean, of course, gaining people, but not losing anybody, okay? So maybe that warning needs to be prayed about some folks. I don't know. But number, in number five, Brother Benny saw also an increase of the anointing. Remember that? He said that, he said, you may say it's weighty here. He's talking about the glory. But he said, God is serious. And there's a serious anointing that's coming on River of Life, an increase of the anointing. He also said he saw an increase of resources that have been held up. We've seen kind of the, there was a prophecy, the gold found the glory, but then there was a bag of gold. There was two different prophecies I got from this person, and those are prophetic lingo. The gold found the glory just has to do with supernatural provision. We've had that, but that prophecy about the bag of gold that's substantial and i believe that's coming and that's going to get us out of here to a different place so you need to be ready to move when that happens because it's coming there's an increase of resources that are coming he also said there's an increase of people he also said this that, and this is interesting because of the prophecy steve hill gave me about a harvest okay he said there's a specific group of people that you're called to reach river of life they will be different than the norm. They're going to be hungry, but they'll be very effective. There's a specific group of people that are earmarked for us to reach. That's the harvest that Steve Hill prophesied. 
He said there would also be fruitful relationships that will open doors and help get your message out. There's going to be key relationships in the days to come that God's going to network us with the right people. And his last point, I'm going to dovetail this into something God gave me. He said a very good generational heritage. Your, your strength is like a generational blessing or a generational heritage. All right, so number five is a year of new beginnings. How many are ready for new beginnings? I'm, uh, you know, I can't say for sure what all that looks like. God hasn't shown me. But it will, it's going to be significant. I believe 2018 will be a significant year of change. All right, number six, it has to do with family structure. River of Life is unique because God has called us to be unique and not be just another typical thing, okay? And the people that are going to be drawn here are those that don't just want religion. They don't just want a social club. They don't want normal, typical American Christianity. They're hungry for more. They want to see God heal people. They want to see God deliver people. They want to have an encounter with God. They're hungry for the Lord, and they're hungry for more. And those are the type of people that are going to be drawn here because that's the type of place, a culture that's been cultivated here. And what I saw was, and this was a very interesting prophetic word from the Lord, you could put under number six a family structure. But this is why I saw that God has created with the river of life a family. And I saw the Lord showed me that there's literally here, this is a unique word, but this is what the Lord showed me, that literally here in River of Life, there's like a generational heritage, if you will, a culture for people that would come out of things that has been um, difficult in life. Maybe they don't have a good family that they've come out of, and they feel like that they don't fit in and they don't have a good heritage. Maybe they don't feel like they fit into the typical church the way that it is and God has created here like a culture and a heritage that people would come into I know this is a, a unique word and it's different but I literally saw when God showed me this that people would be brought in here and that there would be like a spiritual DNA or a spiritual investment that would go into them. And it was like a generational transfer, a generational blessing that would begin to come into their life. And then it would affect them, their, their spouse or whatever, and their children. But it was like some kind of a generational thing. And it, that's unique that it would be on a corporate level like that, isn't it? But I saw that God was creating River of Life to be like a family that has a culture and has a heritage. I think it's about time some things like that are there. And I think the reason why that there's like an anointing for that in River of Life is because, for example, my wife has had to be cut out from something that's not good out of her family. And then there was now like a generational blessing. There's like an inheritance and so it's almost like there's an anointing on our, our ministry to see that. Does that make sense? And so I saw that there would be a shift in the anointing for like a family, like a family heritage. And I'm just going to read what God gave me. Many out there may feel like orphans or misfits and they don't know where they fit in. They're hungry for more than what they're getting. And some will come from bad family relationships and need a family. And so it would be like coming into that family. And I saw that people would, there would be people that need this, but they, it's almost like this is unique and this is just for us. But there's people out there that don't have a family. And they would almost see like my wife and I as somewhat like a, a parents. They would see like my parents as grandparents. They would, it would be to them like a family. Is that okay with everybody? Because people need that. And I saw that that would be important for some people and that they would be this generational, like a DNA spiritually that would be invested in them. A generational blessing. And I can see that. It makes sense to me 
because I've always felt led to have my father come up and stand in proxy to be a, like a father that would speak a father's blessing over everybody. So I can see how God has been preparing something like this for a long time. But there's people that are going to come in that maybe they came out of generational curses, but now that's going to be broke off of them. And they're, and they're not just going to be a typical church person here. They're literally going to be engrafted into some kind of a family. And there's going to be a generational blessing, literally a generational blessing that's going to be imparted to them. And there's a culture here over time of revival, freedom in worship, the presence of God, the gifts of the Spirit, a lot of different things, including, you know, maybe the Hebrew roots, etc. But there's a culture here that that's going to become their family culture. All right, that's number six is a family structure. I thought that was pretty awesome when God showed me that. All right. And then the last one, number seven, you can write circumventing. And this is, this is the last. I'm going to close with this one. So these are all really good things. I mean, I can see 2018 is going to be a good year. But number seven, years ago in 2004, I had a prophetic dream I'll never forget this because it was very real to me and it was from the Lord and it was strong. And I actually put this dream in a book that I wrote. But anyway, in this dream, I was in this skyscraper and I was in the top floor and it was like a penthouse top floor and there was glass all around me, you know, just windows and you could see out. And it was on like a, a beachfront property so you could see the beach in front of you. And I was up there by myself and I was worshiping and praying and just seeking the Lord. And I heard like a rumbling and I looked out and there was this rocket. I'm talking like a NASA rocket. And some of you guys nowadays really don't keep up with that stuff. But when I was a kid, um, those type of NASA takeoffs were a big deal. But anyway, there was this NASA rocket lifting up and it was taking off and it had two of those tubes on it. And one of them dropped off into the ocean and it created like a wave but the other one fell into the building that I was in it hit the structure this man-made structure and I was standing there at the glass and I'm seeing this big um, you know rocket whatever it is fall off this thing and hit the hit the building and when it did I knew that the whole building was coming down but I was okay with that in the dream and I remember that I looked down and there was like way down in a lower floor on some kind of balcony. There was a woman that was like sunbathing, but she screamed like, like a high pitch. I remember years ago, I'll tell you what it was. I cast a demon out of a girl, a spirit of witchcraft, and she screamed this high pitched scream that just curdled your blood, man. That's what she screamed. And she knew she was dead. And so anyway, the building was coming down and as that was going into the ocean, I knew that when the water hit the glass it would break and I was going to have to get some serious swimming skills going on right now. All right. So as soon as this thing hit, I'm swimming down in the ocean and I know that there's big debris that's falling around me. I could see these big chunks of the building falling around me. Basically, this man-made structure and this spirit of witchcraft had just been destroyed in one, one hit. And I was down in the water. And so I'm swimming, big debris coming around me. And when I come up the other side, the, the crash of that building had created a tsunami. I mean, it was a massive wave. And I came up and I was riding that tsunami. And I was moving my body in a way that I could keep up with the, the force of this wave. And other people were popping up and they were watching what I was doing. And they started doing what I was doing and we all just kept riding this wave and I knew when I woke up man I knew that dream was from the Lord and I documented it and I've been praying about it and I can tell you what it, the interpretation is and I believe that we're about to see it fulfilled in the days to come man made structures are about to get struck by the Lord and God himself is about to deal with witchcraft in the church 
And when this came down, it created a wave of revival. All right. Think about this, about circumventing. God has always worked around that which was man-made and not him. In the days of Samuel, remember they had come out of those, the time of the judges and it was a dark time in Israel's history, but God circumvented all of that. He circumvented Eli and his family and found Samuel and raised somebody up out of left field. In the days of David, King Saul, he had a corrupt monarchy, um, a corrupt kingdom. There was a lot of things that weren't right, but David God found him out in a field, circumvented all of that, and raised him up. Think about how during Jezebel's reign in Israel's history, probably the darkest time in Israel's history, I mean, you're talking about a satanic stronghold, but God went around all of that, found Elijah, and raised up somebody out of left field. During the reign of even the Pharisees in the Bible, the Sanhedrin, a religious stronghold, God raised up his son and went around all that was man-made. Look at church history. I'll give one example for the sake of time, but the Azusa Street Revival. You had all this man-made denomination, everything else that was going on, and God circumvented all of that and found somebody, William Seymour, who was hungry and humble, and raised him up. God, I believe that this has to do with end-time prophecy, what I'm sharing with you about circumventing this is the last one. But the Bible says, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And God sees that there's a lot of man-made structures. And because it's man-made and it's man-controlled, a lot of times there's like a stronghold of a religious spirit and it also becomes a demonic stronghold. But God is going to work around that and he's going to find people and he's going to find places throughout America and all over the world that he's going to pour out his spirit. And I'm saying this because the Bible says it and I believe it to be true that God is going to do this all over the world. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. See, I thank God for what he did back in the 80s and 90s in the early 2000s. It was about 20 years where God really poured out his spirit in an awesome way. Argentina, the 90s, etc. That was like a first wave. But God is about to pour out his spirit. And this second wave is going to be greater than the first. And I believe that things that seemed impossible. What is this mountain before you? I mean, people out all over the world are feeling that. They're feeling like this seems impossible. But it's going to be God's grace. And it's going to be his spirit being poured out that is going to make the impossible become possible. And what's going to happen is, is this final harvest is going to come in. What's going to happen is, is that a bride is going to be, be made ready for Christ come, coming in a rapture. And also, it's going to be this outpouring that's going to take place all over. And what has seemed impossible, what has seemed dry, is going to take place. Amen? So that is the number seven is circumventing. I believe the dream that God gave me is about to happen in that God sees that there's man-made structures, but he's about to go around it and raise up people and pour out his spirit in places. He's going to deal with this stuff. It's going to be a judgment against things that are not of him, but claim to be. See, there's a lot of things out there that claim to be of God, and they have Christ's name on it, but they're actually man. And even sometimes it's demonic. And God is going to judge that. He's going to deal with it. So anyway, those are the seven things that God has given me tonight. I wanted to share with you. It's pretty awesome. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good year in front of us and years to come. I believe God is going to get us out from where we are soon. I believe provisions about to come in for that. And there's going to be an increase of the anointing and the glory in an open heaven. And there's going to be what seemed impossible. It's going to be not only possible, it's going to be easy because it's going to be God that does it. So we're in a time right now of birthing. And so we need to be praying into this, what I gave you tonight. And we're going to have this obviously in our fast sheet to come up in the days to come. But 
be praying into this because this is the vision and just like we got that prophetic word in the years past about those three things we prayed into it and because of that it's really been moving forward well these are going to happen as well as we pray into them so lord we thank you for your prophetic word tonight we thank you for the power of your word to cut through and to and to break things open and lord we ask you in this time right now we're in a time, a season of birthing. A season of birthing. And Lord, I pray that you'll come mightily upon these prayer warriors, these intercessors, and really help pray into these things. This is a time where um, God is about to do some new things. And I feel, just as I'm praying right now, just to just, you know, say this to those that are part of River of Life, but guard the glory of the lord you need to be careful you see there there's sometimes there's people that don't mean to but they'll begin to compromise in certain areas maybe some things they're watching or listening to or whatever people they're hanging out places and they begin to compromise and they begin to justify it and they don't realize what they're doing but but they're they're being dull now they're it's like dulling their senses they're uh, they're being defiled sometimes by it, but they're being affected by it m a lot more than what they think. And they'll think to themselves, well, it's just a religious thing, and I, I'm free for this. And, and pretty soon, not only are they compromising in certain areas, but now they're kind of pretty open and public about their compromise. And they'll get with other people that are the same way. Those type of people, you're not going to hear them talk about the glory in their home and about God really moving in their life because of that compromise. God's not going to put his glory where there's a bunch of compromise. And so in the days to come, I want to go deeper in the glory and I want God to deeply consecrate my life. And let me say this too. It's very important. We all want, a lot of times we say, well, we want the breakthrough about whether it be a battle in health, finances, or whatever else we say okay we, we really want the breakthrough in that area and that's important it's important to God but a lot of times God is saying what's more important is that you let me change you there's some people out there I love them but I wonder if they'll ever change and it's pride I love them but I wonder if they'll ever change because it's been so long and I had conversations and I mean to tell you I remember um, years ago there was a lady that she dealt let me give you a couple examples I feel this is for some people here tonight but she she dealt a lot with fear and she would sit here and just go on and on negative 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 fear 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 more and more negative 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 about herself she would curse herself from top to bottom and curse her finances everything in her life and I sit there and try to talk this person I say oh, listen you're going to, have to renew your mind you're going to, have to quit thinking all this fear stuff and you're going to, have to stop speaking like that because if you keep doing that I don't think anything's ever going to change until you change and I would sit there and talk to her for two three five minutes straight talking to her and she would just sit there and look at me and after I was done, she would pick right up, just like you push pause on a movie, and unpaused it. Here she goes again. Same exact words. She did this for a year. And finally, I said, dear God, I don't think she's going to, I mean, how, anyway, so she never got it. And, and I finally, you know, she, she got frustrated because nothing ever changed because she didn't change. And so she started blaming me for her problems. And then started running me down to some other people and started being divisive. So, you know, I had to, we had to talk and she's not here anymore. But anyway, until people are willing to change. And a lot of times there's subtle things in all of us, pride, subtle things that we don't really realize are their ego, things in us that God is saying, I see some things there. You're wanting this fixed and this fixed and this fixed. And I understand that it's important to me too but I'm trying to change you and until people are willing to really get on their face and get real with God and get humble 
and broken and say, Lord, <clears throat> dig out of me. I mean, really pray and fast and seek God and get serious. Hey, Lord, dig out of me whatever needs to go. Take this out of me. If I need to change the way I'm thinking, if I need to change the way I'm speaking, if I need to change the, something else about me, if I've had tendencies to be bitter and hold grudges, if I've had tendencies, uh, lustful tendencies, or, or whatever it is, Lord, dig this out of me. And they get serious with God. See, a lot of times people have to get to that place where they're desperate. They're desperate for change. And then in that place, they're broken before the Lord, and they say, Lord, change me. See, up to that point, they've been saying, Lord, change my circumstances. But they get to a broken place with God where they say, I do want the circumstances to change, but Lord, change me. Do something in me. That is when things start really changing. Circumstances start changing too. I feel that that's for some people. I really do. And in the days to come, if all of us will humble ourselves before the Lord like that and say, Lord, consecrate me. Do a deep work in my life. Change me. And really get real. Get serious. God will do it. And not only that, I believe that he'll really pour out his spirit in our lives in an awesome way. So, Lord, as we pray tonight and uh, we put on some worship, you can, you know, kill the recordings if you would, but maybe play that iPod or something. And, and we're just going to worship for a moment, pray. But, Lord, I just ask you to confirm your word, but move in people's lives. This is a time in River of Life, like a season of birthing, but there's about to be an increase of the anointing. There's about to be an increase of the glory. There's about to be an increase of the open heaven in this ministry. And you're going to make a way, Lord.